Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It. I am Gemma Bastiani and today I'm joined by, I guess you're a friend of the podcast now, right? <laughs> oh, thank you so much for like considering me in such high regard. Uh, I would have said I'm definitely a friend of the podcast, but hey, if you want to demote me to acquaintance in the very start of the episode too, wow, you could... Well, look, it gives me something to work towards. I want to confirm friend of this pod <laughs> status by the end of this episode. Um, It's funny because I took a break with these. So now I'm mm-hmm. recording another batch of them. So it's been a long time since I've done much with this. And yeah. I, you are the first repeat offender in this new batch that I'm doing. Um, and I don't even get called friend of the pod. No, I said, I th- guess. I said, I guess, friend. <laughs> um hey joel hey Gemma. how you doing uh yeah i'm doing good i'm joel dusha uh (laughs) it's good to be here i love to just throw you off right from the start i'm really excited about this (laughs) we've just been having a little bit of a catch-up it's been quite um quite low level so far because you're (laughs) trying to keep quiet so it's been very strange yeah i um yeah, I was trying to show some respect to my housemates, but now that we're recording, uh, <laughs> all respect's gone out the window. We've both just gone up a notch for this, and also yeah. coffee. My coffee is nearly empty, so that'll tell you where we're at, too. <laughs> so, you have selected a game that's not about your team. No. Because I'm sick of talking about Essendon, because, you know, they're just uh-huh. perpetually disappointing. Um Sorry to throw that out there. <laughs> hey, it's totally fine. I believe that I've been on the show three or four times and I've only spoken about them once, but that's, that's true. fine. No, that is true as well. I have done Essendon uh, shows with two other people though, so mm. it's more a whole show thing and less of a you yeah. thing. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot of us and Essendon have very flashy moments, so I get it. And I see it, <laughs> but I don't believe it. When you're pitching a show like this, you're going to get a lot of Essendon moments. We love stuff like that. <laughs> It doesn't happen very often for you, though. Um, I did enjoy... I did message you the other day about Kale Hooker juggling before his 200th game. I liked that. Yeah. Um, would have been cool if he did other things on the field during his 200th game, but 
Yeah, I love Kale Hooker, and I only recently found out he's got a pet turtle called Cooper. Are you serious? Yep. Okay, he's amazing. Yeah, he's he's got a pet turtle. Um, yeah, he juggles apparently. He yeah, he's apparently off the field, and I know that heaps of people say stuff like this about players, but I think he's also run help runs like an anti bullying charity or something like that. The irony. Yeah, well, that's why, because, like, everyone's like, he's a piece of shit. I'm like, no, I think he's... I don't think, think he's just... I don't think he's a piece of shit. I think he just does some things on the field. You're like, mate, come on. <clears throat> yeah, like, take huge grabs on the siren against GWS, kick massive goals. Oh, he's not the only one. It's just he's the one we're talking <laughs> about right now. That's all I'm saying. Um, but not Essendon. No. Uh, actually, do you want to tell people, if they haven't heard of you before... Who are you and what do you do? Uh, so, I am Joel Dusha. Uh, I am a podcast host. I'm one of the hosts of How Good's Footy, which is a weekly AFL podcast. Uh, we kind of differentiate ourselves from other AFL podcasts by being probably the three dumbest people in the world. <laughs> uh, it's all enthusiasm. And we do look at stats and things like that, but our speculation usually runs rampant over the top of that. Uh, I'm also part of the Sands Pants Radio Podcast Network, so I'm one of the hosts of Plumbing the Death Star and Thumb Cramps, a pop culture and a video game podcast, respectively. They're popular, but have got nothing to do with AFL, so we won't worry about that too much. <laughs> I'm, I was just thinking, uh, as you were talking about How Good's Footy, I haven't guessed on How Good's Footy in, like, a year. I'm offended. Yeah, well, I we haven't recorded face-to-face since, I think, round one, so... Yeah. It's hard to get guests at the moment. But, hey, the moment we can. I mean, we are doing it remotely, so there's not really any excuses, Dusha. Oh, there is plenty of excuses (laughs) when you consider Tom and Sean's internet connections. It's (laughs) editing three people in that podcast already takes me about two and a half hours every week. And every single week I'm like, what if I just cancel the show? What if I just... Look, cancel the show, save myself the stress. Because, yeah, I hit a point every single week when editing that where I'm like, it's not worth it. This, <laughs> like, my, the toll this is taking on me. I love Jesus this Christ. So my face actually hurts from smiling right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, it, look, I want to clarify, it's got nothing to do with the quality of the show. It's just... It's at least an hour long, and trying to constantly resync three audio files together, it's... <laughs> Sound engineers and anyone who mixes bands have nothing but my respect now, because I try and do it for a goddamn podcast with three people, and it drives me crazy, let alone, oh, yeah, like, multiple instruments. I outsourced one of my podcasts editing this week, because I got so behind on my audio editing and I hate doing it. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you yeah. on that. So yeah, to I... combat that, I'm sending an email to the podcast today, hopefully to be read on this week's episode, mm. which will have been two or four, <laughs> four weeks prior to this one coming out. So it's all been done already, guys. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyone listening to this is now really debased with when this is set in time. <laughs> uh, no idea what's going on. That's good. It's good to keep the listeners on the off foot. Yeah. Uh, You've got a guest that you're being rude to. Time is irrelevant. It's all happening. (laughs) I'm not being that rude to you. But also, you're always rude to me, so. I, wow. 
Actually, uh, no, it's mostly Sean that's rude to me. I've got to keep this feud going. <laughs> <laughs> this imaginary feud. Yeah, good luck. I'm actually speaking to him on Thursday, so uh, let's see how I can continue it while actually talking to him directly. I hope you market the episode as that, like a feud, <laughs> the feud coming face to face. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, anyway, so can you tell me about the moment you've chosen to talk about today? Yeah, so uh, I don't bag for either of these teams, but I hate one of these teams more than I think I hate anything in life, um, which is the Collingwood Football Club. And I was so lucky to be in person to watch the Dom Sheed miracle goal in grand final day. <laughs> Ice um, man. Yeah, like... West Coast have caused me grief in the past. Uh, Are you thinking of a, re- a final repeatedly. last year? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about, I reckon, like, 15 games throughout my life. <laughs> um, West Coast, weirdly enough, are also the first team I remember, like, not liking as a child. Because there was one game in the 90s where uh, West Coast just, like, demolished Essendon. Like, it was one of those games where... Essendon only kicked, like, three or four goals or something. I only have, like, vague memories of it, so that might be totally wrong, but I remember being, like, angry as, like, a (laughs) six-year-old. Anyway, rolls around to 2018, and I'm happy to put that feud to bed. I bought a West Coast scarf, and I was like, today, I will die for the West Coast Eagles. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was, like, lucky enough to get a ticket to go to the grand final with Tom and Sean, the other two hosts of How Good's Footy. Uh, we all decided that we're not rolling into uh, what was mine and Sean's first ever grand final uh, to go to. Tom oh, really? had been to a couple before. Yeah. So I I've been to two that. grand finals and it was the 2018 and 2019 one. I had no idea you'd only been to two. Yeah. I may be so, looking up a West Coast Essendon game from 1996, but you guys won it. No, there was one where we got... It would have been sometime in the 90s. Maybe even very early 2000s. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going it's, to that much detail. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a vague childhood memory. Um, yeah, I didn't know you'd only been to... I guess it kind of makes sense, considering Essendon's last grand final was 2000. Yeah, and even then, like, I'm not an Essendon member or an MCC member or anything like that. So if Essendon are in a grand final, I am going to struggle to get a ticket. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And Sean, same <laughs> era of success. Yeah. Anyway, so rolling into this grand final, all three of us decided we're not going to a grand final together without... Bar- we're not going as a neutral supporter. For today, we are barracking for a team like they're our team. And uh, a bit of background is that I had been overseas touring one of the podcasts, like doing live shows for the last six weeks leading up to the grand final. And during that time... The Haggard's Footy Show had taken a turn where Tom was trying to sell the Collingwood lead up to the grand final as a miracle and like a fairy tale. And uh, I caught wind of that and was like, this is not happening. I was angrily messaging the show being like, what are you doing? I might be in London at the moment, but this is not on. Um, Tom does go rogue sometimes. Oh, it's disgusting. So yeah, we rolled into the AFL grand, uh, the 2018 AFL grand final, and we decided we're buying scarves for a team. We're barracking for that team like it's our team. Who are we picking? And the choice was no choice at all. We backed West Coast. We're like, let's do it. Let's get it done. And yeah, it 
is a moment that we forever burnt into my brain. I have never been so excited for a play, uh, <laughs> a, like a passage of play in person, as the four touches and a goal that resulted in the West Coast winning the 2018 Grand Final and just destroying <laughs> the hearts of Collingwood supporters everywhere. Yes, excellent. Um, I, I was telling you before, I think it was before we jumped on air, I hope I've lost track of time now, about how we hadn't really seen a really good grand final since 2012. And obviously it sounds yeah. like I'm biased, but the reality was 2012 was an incredible grand final, mm. whoever you went for. And we hadn't seen one in a long time. And then yeah. this one happened. It was like, holy shit, this is an incredible game. No matter yeah. who you go for, this game is amazing. Well, we'd started to get like a trend of games where the grand final was like relatively anticlimactic, yep. but we'd had massive prelims. Yeah. But yeah, this final series, 2018, it looked like we were going to get a real shit grand final because every finals game sucked. <laughs> Uh, there were minus... blowouts, but there were like standout performances individually, I guess. So it was different yeah, to a yeah. normal kind so, of final series. Yeah. Yeah. So I look, you're absolutely right. There was definitely some massive moments in the final series, but games as a whole, like if you were just looking at teams, I guess, as a whole, you're like, oh yeah, cool. Like West Coast played really well and they won by 66 points or like, oh, it's cool that Collingwood, like they, they won like they went the long way and they made the grand final but outside of that it's like an individual performances if you were just looking at the final scores you're like ah oh, okay yeah all right let's get into the game itself so leading up to this game okay we're not getting into the game itself we're going to get into the lead up to this game uh, yeah hey that's an important <laughs> part of the game is the lead up of course especially this one because West Coast were coming in off the back of an impressive prelim win against Melbourne. So Melbourne had been kind of the fairy tale story of this year, mm. um, of 2018. They beat Hawthorne at the MCG. It was glorious. And then they beat Geelong at the... Or was it the other way around? They beat both of those teams. Mitch Hannon kicked an amazing goal against Geelong. It was, it was amazing to watch <laughs> both of those teams. No, no, it was that order because... No, Hawthorne went out in straight sets. So, yes, it was in that order. Anyway, focus. Um, and Melbourne have been the fairy tale, and they go to WA to play West Coast, who no one had really had talked about very often. Yeah, that they year. were the most like underrated second place team in the world. Like they finished second on the ladder, and everyone was like, "Eh, yeah, they probably won't make the grand final." And you're like, "Are you you sure about that? Because yeah. they finished second. Like that's <laughs> yeah. only one team beat them." Like, I mean, on the ladder, on the ladder. they lost yep. games, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they lost six games for the season, which meant they won 16, which is still incredible. Yes. Um, and, yeah, so Melbourne go over there and West Coast just destroyed them because they just uh, <laughs> were the most in sync, I guess, team. They were, they were very much playing as one unit as compared to yeah. individual pieces of brilliance. So that was really important. Um, they were without Nick Natanui because he had done his knee and missed almost the whole season, if not the whole season. Um, Brad... uh, he did his knee in round 17, I think. Yeah. And it was off the back of the ACL prior yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, he did his knee against Collingwood in the regular season. That's right. Yeah. Oh, poor Nick Nat. Um, yeah. Brad Shepard, who I felt 
so sorry for. He did his hamstring during the final series. He hadn't missed a game in years and had been such a rock for them in defense that Mm. that injury was just heartbreaking. And then even though no one mentioned that he was missing, everyone was focused on the other two that were out. Um, And then Andrew Gaff. Do you want to tell us about why Andrew Gaff was missing? Oh, yeah. So Andrew Gaff, uh, depending on who you ask, either had a brain fade or, you know, if you just look at the footage, decided to just be a piece of shit and threw a fist at, was it uh, Brayshaw from Melbourne? Andrew Brayshaw of Fremantle. Uh, Freo, not Melbourne. Um, Yeah, broke his jaw, like a 19-year-old's jaw. Broke his jaw off the ball by punching him in the face. Yeah, so we there are many feelings about this. Um, One being don't punch people, but two being the (laughs) AFL let everyone down by not suspending people for gut punches, because if they'd been cracking down on gut punches, I don't think this would have happened. So I just feel like getting that out there. So uh, Tom Lynch, Ben Cunnington, uh, should be constantly suspended but never are so mm. we got that off our chests they should take the tom hawkins approach and anytime that tom lynch or ben cunnington even look at another player just suspend them that's the approach that hawkins gets and he earns it like he deserves it <laughs> he's been pretty good recently though well yeah because anytime he even thinks about a jumper punch he gets three weeks so he should <laughs> stop it <laughs> he still does play for freeze a bit but that's the geelong approach isn't it yeah, absolutely. I'll go on record and say that. Uh, yeah. it's They're a disgusting team, and they make me sick to watch. And yeah, sure, they ju- just beat Essendon by like 70 points the day before recording this. But these... I feel like that uh, those feelings are irrelevant. Um, that's just how I feel about Geelong always. <laughs> I, I have come around a little bit to Tom Hawkins this year, though. I think he's become a real team player in the past fortnight maybe a uh, mm. fortnight i mean last two years fortnight yeah fortnight of years <laughs> fortnight of years that's a new catchphrase um yeah i think he has even yesterday again beating your team mm. tried really hard to get jenkins his first goal for the cats it didn't work because jenkins is not good but he mm. tries these things so i appreciate yeah. that I just wonder if he wasn't winning the Coleman by 10 goals at this point, if he would still be trying to be a team player or not. Well, he's winning the Coleman, but he's also leading the competition for goal assists. For goal assists, yeah. Like, that's pretty good. And it pains me to give him praise because I don't like him very much, but Mm. I have liked the way he's gone about it this year. Anyway. If you... If you want to get off Hawkins again, just look look at a photo of him and look at his eyes and you realise that he... He just, he's a man that doesn't have a soul. Like, when you look into his eyes, you just see nothing. It's really, really unpleasant. Like, he's a very handsome man, and you're like, oh, a really handsome man with, like, beautiful blue eyes. But no, don't make eye contact with him, because then you realise there's just nothing there. I'll be asking Tom about this later on. He's heard me say this before, and he won't agree, but Tom's an idiot. (laughs) Tom's okay. Leave Tom alone. I'm not Um... leaving Tom alone. (laughs) I'm not leaving Tom alone. Um, so that's that's the main outs for West Coast. So on the Collingwood side, they finished the home and away season with 15 wins. So they were one win and 1% behind um, the Eagles. So it was a fairly even matchup when you considered their home and away performances. Yep. They were off the back of a, what is now a famous prelim final win against Richmond, who were favourites the whole fucking year. Yeah. Um, with Mason Cox starring... Was it 11 contested marks, or was it just 11 marks? I think it was 11 contested marks. 
Yeah, well, either way, if Mason Cox was taking just 11 marks full stop, that would still be very impressive for Mason Cox. Yeah, it was an incredible game that he played. So that mm. was the build-up. And then during the week um, leading into the grand final, I got the hiccups now, um, <laughs> Travis Varko's sister passed away in yeah. a footy injury accident. Um, her name was yeah. Maggie. Um, so that there was speculation over whether Trav Varko would play, how he would be able to play. Yeah. For this final series, Tyson Goldsack actually came back after 20-something weeks off an ACL injury to play yeah. in this final series. And it, he was such an important player to their final series that if he'd come back, I doubt they would have made the grand final. Yeah, especially because like, they had to go... Well, after the first run-in in the qualifying final, they got dismantled by West Coast. Uh, and yeah, like the moment that that happened... Even like Collingwood, even considering making the grand final by going the long way when they were going to have to come up against Richmond, yeah. is crazy. And I just want to go on record and say that Travis Varco is the only reason that I had softened on Collingwood a little bit this like this season, twenty eighteen season, not twenty twenty. Yeah. Um. So like watching him kick a goal in the grand final, which we'll get to, I know, a bit of a bit of a spoiler for a game two years ago, but. <laughs> Yeah, him kicking a goal was also, like, so good. And the celebration was so emotional. But, yeah, it's, like, I felt so good for him. But when you hate 21 other people and the coach, it's just, that didn't get me over the line to believe in Collingwood. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he did come out with um, Maggie written in big letters on his strapping on his arm. Yeah. um, Which... And obviously kissed it when he kicked the goal. So, yeah, I can't imagine going into, like, one of the biggest games in your life after losing your sister just days before who from yeah. a footy field incident. Like, it's just beyond belief to me. Mm. <sighs> anyway, now we'll talk about the game itself. As I said, we would earlier, but now we actually are. Um, so it was on the 29th of September of 2018, which is, mm-hmm. like, a week ago... Two years ago, when this is coming out. (laughs) I don't know why I'm trying to signpost time so much in this episode. I think I've lost my mind in lockdown. Um, Yeah, I would would say it probably happened on the 29th of September 2020, (laughs) but two years ago. (laughs) Well, this is going to come out like a week after that, so there you go. Anyway, uh, it was at the MCG, which... Mm is the place a lot of grand finals are held, but not this year, Um, in front of 100,022 people, which was the biggest grand final crowd we'd seen Mm. in a little while as well. So, the first quarter. Um, The first thing I noticed, uh, and I remember watching this game and just how good this game was, but I'd forgotten little parts of it. Like, I knew Luke Shuey played well, but (laughs) straight from the outside, I was like, holy fuck, Luke Shuey is amazing. Yeah. The, even, like, the risk of the blowout that happens in this first quarter, everyone was just so on. It was crazy. And every goal that was kicked was fucked. Yeah. Like, um, Travis Varko kicked the first goal of the game, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And that was huge. And then, I guess some of the Collingwood forwards confused because I hate them all. It was, I'm pretty sure it was Stevenson kicked the second goal and it was like a weird snap. Yes. Around the body. Yeah. Um, which was, again, massive, but I didn't feel good about that one. Then Collingwood <laughs> kicked the next two? Collingwood then kicked another through Stevenson, and then Dugowie did his 
evading multiple tackles from the boundary and snapping another goal. So Collingwood had kicked four goals straight. And yep. then and then Hoskin Elliott marked in the pocket with about five minutes left in the first quarter and slotted it as well. So they actually kicked the first five goals five, of the game. Five, that's right. And this is another really interesting thing about the 2018 season is that both the first and last games of the season, so first game of round one and the grand final, started with the losing side kicking five goals straight. Yeah. Um, and being in the crowd at this point, we were like, oh no, I reckon we're like one goal away here from a massive blowout. This sucks. Yeah. First ever grand final that we'd been to together. Tom again had been to probably like 30. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sean and I were like, oh no. Um, but then West Coast got maybe the most arsey first goal ever recorded in a game. <laughs> this was another thing I forgot. Um, but that doesn't happen yet. Let's let's quickly go back throughout <clears throat> the, the five goals from Collingwood. There were a few individual performers that I think were worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, Collingwood's pressure was super high early, so... Th- the thing that annoyed me watching it was that Collingwood supporters were calling for holding the ball every, like, three seconds, even when no one was holding the ball. They were calling yeah. for holding the ball. So that was annoying. Um, but hey, that's I was amongst it. You know that I was probably <laughs> threatening to throw well. hands at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do that. Um, so that was bothering me, but it was also just, like, finals pressure was absolutely there. The other yeah. thing that annoyed me in this first quarter re-watching it was that we had to listen to probably the worst commentary panel on earth minus Daisy Pierce, who said two things during the whole game because they never speak to her um, and they just didn't know who any of the players were and they kept calling players wrong. It's like, this is a grand final. This is meant to be your job. You don't even know who the players are. Fuck. Which you didn't have to worry about because you were at the game. Yes. Uh, the only people calling names at the game in my eyes were me, Tom, and Sean, who were just screaming about everything all the time. Because <laughs> we were, um, to set the picture a little bit clearer, there's a massive moment that happened, like, right in front of us, uh, like, way later in the game. But we were level one, like, ten rows. We were just really lucky with our tickets. We were, like, level one, ten rows from the field, like, uh, on, like, almost, like, on the wing, basically. It was crazy. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, that massive hip and shoulder that happens in this game. Yes, that was coming directly in front of us. And <laughs> I don't think I've cheered anything louder ever. <laughs> I, uh, I've i written that down in capital letters, so we can definitely talk about that yeah. a lot. The other thing that stood out in this quarter was that there were so many players that were almost doing really remarkable things. Like, there were so many players going for the all or nothing kind of yeah. approach. And it just wasn't quite coming off yet. There were just bodies kind of just flying in, ready to kill themselves. Like, Elliot Yo <laughs> was a big example of this in this quarter. And Collingwood still had just all the control. And the other thing about this as well, uh, Schofield was in the side. And he'd been in and out of the side all year. His mm. his kind of career was on the line here. And he'd come in for Brad Shepard. And he came yep. in and had an amazing game. Did that stand yep. out to you at the, at the ground as well? Yeah, uh, Schofield and even Dom Sheed, who we'll get to. Um, but yeah, like, Sheed was only in the team because Gaff had removed someone's face and was sitting on the sidelines as a consequence. Um, so yeah, like, Schofield and Sheed 
were like, oh, shit, these, like, which is weird to think of them as, like, they're not, like, fringe players, but they were, like, yeah, in and out of the side, I guess. So when they're having a standout performance, you notice. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, Domshade now is a stalwart of the Eagles. But back then, he was not in great form. He was in and out of the side all year. Schofield was kind of the reverse of that, where he'd had a great career, and it kind of started to fall off the cliff and younger guys were coming through and yeah. taking his spot in the side. And even, I guess, the structure of the Eagles with that tall intercepting backline meant that they needed less smaller lockdown defenders like him and Brad Shepard and he just wasn't their number one choice. So they both took the opportunity that they had been just thrown and ran with it. And I think the Schofield performance is a really good one as well because it just showed like that was the best performance of his career. Like that anyone can remember, <laughs> right? Now, do do we want to talk about West Coast's first goal? You you alluded to it earlier. Yeah. So rather than kicking a goal so West Coast five goals down. Yep. They haven't taken their foot off the gas though. Like No, they were still playing good football. Yeah. Uh it hadn't been reflected on the scoreboard but yeah you you didn't get the indication at all that west coast were particularly phased by the fact there were five goals down in the first quarter of a grand final and hadn't kicked a goal yet yeah but uh their first goal came from <laughs> uh it, it was an accident they kicked their first goal accidentally 100 percent. willie really was falling over the goal line <laughs> and just happened to shin the ball as he did it yeah <laughs> And, uh, and so he just tripped no one over knew what the was ball. going on. <laughs> <laughs> tripped over the ball. Uh, it was a goal. Uh, because of that, I guess that, like, just putting a goal on the scoreboard was just enough to alleviate some pressure from West Coast. But, yeah, that Willy Rioli goal was crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing, and this isn't a nice thing, but rewatching parts of this grand final just really depressed me about Willy Rioli. Yeah, like, that's true. Such a good player. He was really important in this grand final. Yeah. Like, all yes, over was. the ground, he was important. <laughs> and then, yeah. with a minute left in the quarter, Kennedy marks and goals, and it felt like a real nice bookend. The game started with an almost immediate shot on goal, set shot for Josh Kennedy out of a clearance, and he missed it. And the mm. commentator spent the whole fucking time talking about how that fucked up the momentum for West Coast and that's what created the five goals for Collingwood. And so for him to end the quarter going back coolly and slotting a goal yeah. for them, that, it meant that they went into quarter time only 17 points down, which like this year sounds like a lot because shorter quarters, blah, blah, blah. But then it really wasn't, and especially West Coast had been known to be a really high-scoring side as well. So yeah. 17 points was not insurmountable, as we came to found, find out, but it didn't feel insurmountable at the time either. No, uh, the fact that they kicked two goals, and you felt like the momentum shifted. I mean, obviously, scoreboard momentum shifted because they kicked two goals in a row, but even just the players had lifted. Like, everyone was already going at a 10, but with that goal scored, West Coast... I guess the pressure of trying to kick goals was kind of taken off them a little bit. Um, like, and yeah, they just kind of entered an entirely new level in that last, like the last five minutes of that quarter. Yeah. Meaning well, that going into the second, you were like, West Coast are on here. That's the thing as well. Like, as I said earlier, there were so many things that players 
were almost doing and it wasn't coming yeah. off that started to work for them in the last five minutes. It's like that tiny bit of luck or that tiny bit of timing that changed for them that swung the momentum back to them. But that's the thing. This grand final was all about massive momentum swings and they often went goal for goal as well. It's just like incredible. Yeah. So at quarter time, it's West Coast 2-2-14 to Collingwood's 5-1-31. 17-point difference, as we've said. Um, and we head into the second quarter. And the thing uh, I, I think, tweeted during um, this season, 2018 season, yep. that I wanted to start a uh, Chad and Hearn fan club. I've since gone on to say I want to start a uh, Sam Collins fan club as well. So I seem to like <laughs> defenders, I think. Um, Shannon Hearn is just such a composed, um, quietly spoken, um, lead by what you do, not by what you say, captain. And that's why I loved him as a captain at the Eagles. He was so understated. And he just went about his business in this game. He didn't yep. get nervous about them being down by five goals or anything. He just he had one slip up that resulted in a goal against, but other than that, he really just composed his team, slowed things down, and really directed them out of the back half. And I think that started to really show in the second quarter as well. Yeah. So rolling into the second quarter, it was a far more defensive effort in this quarter. Um with no teams really kicking a goal until right at the end, and then the floodgates opened. Yeah, like, <laughs> this game is fucked. Um, and early in this quarter as well, Liam Ryan came off hurt. It was like an ankle or a knee or something. Comes mm. off hurt, and that's all anyone can focus on. And then about, with nine minutes to go, so it was, he was on the bench for a few minutes, but he comes back on. No one really noticed that he came back on the field. And then... <laughs> All of a sudden, your favorite moment of the or your second favorite moment of the game happens. Yeah. Uh, so Collingwood uh, kind of trying to clear it out of congestion, and it looks like they're away. They fire a handball up, and is it? Uh, oh, I can't even remember who got. Was it Milet? Um Fuck! I've totally blanked on his name. Maynard. Oh yeah, it was Maynard. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so they. Collingwood are trying to clear the ball out of congestion in the mid, uh, to get it out of their... I'm pretty sure it's their defensive 50. Handballing it around. They handball one to Maynard, who is by himself. <laughs> looks like they're away. But then out of nowhere, human cannonball Liam Ryan hip and shoulders Maynard so hard on the ribs. And like it's like the perfect hip and shoulder front on. Yeah, yeah. We're sitting, like, however far away from it. And we hear just... At a grand final where there's a hundred thousand people in the crowd, it, it was so loud and hard that we could hear it in the crowd. And at that point, I was like, "I reckon West Coast have this." Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And this is after Liam Ryan had come off injured. <laughs> uh, there's like so many moments about this hip and shoulder that are so good because like Maynard is fully outstretched and just like. Oh, not he's, expecting he's it. He's very at all. vulnerable in the position. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but Liam Ryan just murders him with a hip and shoulder. But then he just like Liam Ryan himself just bounces off him, and then like doesn't even look like he's registered what he's done. He's just like looking for the ball. It's that play is so funny and like just powerful. There, there's um, I I want to find all the gifts of that moment because 
it is so perfect. And just like, poor Maynard, because that would fucking hurt. But like, it was just such yeah. a grand final moment, I guess. Yeah, it's like the Dan um, Hanabry mark back with the flight kind of thing. Yeah. So always uh, a Swans reference. I'm surprised and shocked. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Maynard wasn't hurt, but he had to definitely take some time to uh, just suck in a lot of air because uh, <laughs> there was none left in his body after that hip and shoulder. No, and his ribs weren't willing to move to get any more in for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... West Coast Eagles' defence in this quarter, you said it was a quite a defensive effort, but I think the thing that really shone for me was that everyone talks about McGovern and how he leads this defence and he's an intercept marker and he's this, he's that. Tom Barras is actually as good as, if not almost better than Jeremy McGovern at this point. And in yeah. this game, you really saw that come through because I know when we get to the last passage, Jeremy McGovern is a huge part of that. But what Barras did throughout this game, his intercept marking, his positioning, his reading of the ball was so, so unbelievable. And yeah, Tom Langdon was kind of doing that at the other end for Collingwood, but Barras really stood out in this game. Yeah, there was... This is the thing with this game. Like, it's really really easy to look at the final passage and be like that's what won the grand final but no obviously the whole team got them to that point yeah like to be five goals down in the first quarter without it like Collingwood kicked the first five of a grand final and then to fight your way back to then win that's huge like, that's not just that's not just four players and one goal to get that done even though that moment is so good and I'm so excited <laughs> to get to it <laughs> we're gonna get there um there was a there was a Hoskin Elliott effort in this quarter as well that really epitomized the desperation of a grand final um Collingwood had gotten the ball back on the wing but didn't have really anyone forward of the ball but Hoskin Elliott worked his butt off to run on to take a diving mark that realistically the ball was being kicked to space but he ran so hard to take that diving mark and actually set up another to go shot from outside 50 and it put Collingwood up by 23 points so that was the first goal of this quarter and it was like I think eight minutes to go in the quarter but it actually as you said opened the floodgates so some open play led to a Hutchings goal from the goal square Lewis Jetta's work on the wing was... He just fucking loves a grand final, let's be honest. <laughs> Lewis Jetta with the ball on the wing in a grand final always creates perfection. <laughs> I'm just reminiscing now. No, that again, fair enough. Yeah. Um, He... Yeah, so... Collingwood kicked the first goal of this quarter and that, yeah, kind of fucks with the flow that you're expecting. Because, again, at the end of the first quarter, it looked like West Coast were just going to come out and kick a couple of goals and then all of a sudden it's even. But no, Collingwood kicked a goal. But then... <laughs> West Coast were like, nah, none of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they then kicked the next two again. Yeah, so the Hutchings one was the first one, but then their second one was ridiculous. Luke Shuey again unbelievable this is one of like everyone will talk about nick davis in 2005 semi they'll talk about kudafidis in 1999 prelim they'll talk about dustin martin in 2017 (laughs) this game from luke shuey was one of the best finals performances we've ever seen yeah and he this absolutely kind of headlined it he crumbed from a forward stoppage just so beautifully from about 40 meters out crumbs it uh, off a couple of steps kicks a monster goal that swayed the play back towards 
uh, yeah. West Coast after this kind of goal for goals, kind of bit for bit game style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And then all of a sudden, West Coast are only down by two goals going into three, uh, going into halftime. Yeah, and two goals felt like two points at this at this stage with the way this game was being played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at halftime, the score is West Coast 4-3-27 to Collingwood 6-3-39. So, and a fairly accurate kicking to this point as well, which we'll get to as well. Um, so let's go to the third quarter and there's an immediate chewy clearance that gets it to Kennedy immediately. Like, it was almost identical from the first quarter, yep. but this time Kennedy kicks the goal. And at that point, everyone's like, holy shit, we are on here. <laughs> yes. But also, Varko kind of switched it. He, he took it up a notch. He was throwing his body at fucking everything. It, it was like, in the first quarter, he was doing great things with the ball. In the third quarter, he was doing great things without the ball. He was just kind of Liam Ryaning it, just throwing his body at everyone. Yeah. Liam Ryaning it is going to be a new thing. <laughs> it's not easy to say. <laughs> um, but then a lot of the talk in the first half had been, well, Cox was so good last week in the prelim, but he's done nothing in this game. So Mason Cox decided to take a mark inside 50 and kick a goal, and the yep. crowd started chanting USA. How'd you feel about that? Yeah, uh, yeah look, as someone who's not a fan of pretty much anyone in the Collingwood forward line. Uh, my feelings towards Mason Cox are mixed to negative at best. <laughs> he's so nice, though. Oh, he's... Okay. If, if he were in a Brisbane Guernsey, how would you feel about him? That's different, because if he was in a Brisbane Guernsey, that would mean that he would have to be a good enough player, a good enough person to, like, Brisbane to want him. And then that would change anything, because then I feel like he's passed a character test. So if you are at Collingwood, you kind of passed a character test? Well, like I said, Travis Barker, he seems lovely. Um, <laughs> so, Brody Grundy? Look, they do ha- uh, 
Okay, we're going to lose a lot of fans of this podcast uh, for this episode. That's fine. Whatever. Um, no, no, no. Hey, you're defending them. Really, they're just going to be like, hey, that guy you keep having on, stop having him on. He <laughs> hates lots of people that are famous for being nice or whatever. Uh, yeah. I just can't trust anyone that's friends with people like Steel Sidebottom. It's fine. Okay. I'll give you that, at least. Um, so... Colin get that get theirs back. So this is where they start to really go goal for goal. The yep. Eagles started to take marks in attack. Langdon was again having a really important quarter, and then Jamie Cripps he kicked a snap, a really beautiful snap goal to bring it within a goal difference. So this was a world away from the five goals up Collingwood were yeah. in the first quarter. And then, old mate Bruce in the commentary box decides that this is a good thing to say. Collingwood are going to have to keep scoring. And at that point, I was like, I wish I could just rewatch this game on mute, but we need the crowd noise. So <laughs> this is unpleasant. It's just ruining a good game. So Grundy got the next clearance and Taylor Adams immediately kicked a goal. So they were straight away like, well, you just said they needed to keep scoring. So look, they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. The things we accept. Uh, so it's back to a 12-point margin. And then mm-hmm. Redden gets the next clearance, hits up Darling, who hits up Lysette, who's 30 metres out and misses. But then Darling really started to get involved, pushed up the field. There was fucking chaos in the West Coast forward line. <laughs> and Lysette ended up reciprocating, hitting up Darling at the top of the goal square. And Darling kicks a goal. It's back to a six-point margin. And then... The most of the last of this quarter is just peppering. Eagles are peppering. They've got the territory battle on their side, but they just can't convert. It, the ball just yeah. keeps missing or it's being rushed through, and it's just very frustrating. And then the runner happens. Yes. I forgot about the runner. I feel horrible for Alex Woodward. I've just hit my mic, so sorry if everyone heard that. Um, I feel horrible for him because he had such an unlucky run through footy and then for this to be kind of like the crowning moment of it oh it's just devastating yeah well i feel like at least in the like the thing that happens later in the game that we'll get to uh (laughs) that also being like i guess in some people's books a controversial call i feel like has taken a lot of heat off this moment that's true i'd totally forgotten that it happened until just now so, good thing we're talking about it, bringing it back to people's minds. Yeah, yeah. So, now it's going to be in, like, the, you know, public space again. Zeitgeist. Everyone's going to be thinking about it. Zeitgeist, that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> you did do a public hand space. movement there. Yeah, the hand movement meant zeitgeist. <laughs> the hand movement meant zeitgeist. Um, I wish I was recording the video here. So, Collingwood are trying to exit their defence after West Coast have just had the ball inside 50 for a really long time. Mm. I mean, the kick was risky anyway, let's be honest. Yeah. And well, I think it was Langdon that kicked it. I can't quite remember now. Kicks it to the top of the 50 where Stevenson was meant to run onto the ball. But Collingwood runner Alex Woodward was out there sending a message and was trying to get out of the way. And in getting out of the way, he ran into Stevenson's path which meant Stevenson couldn't get to the ball and Elliot Yo took an intercept mark at the very top of the 50, set yeah. right in the middle. And it was just kind of, again, even if you're not going for Collingwood in this game, even if you want them to, that was just a heartbreaking thing because Alex Woodward, you could just tell, 
was devastated, and that just really yeah. upset me watching that. Yeah, that part's not nice. No. And, like, again, as much as I hate Buckley, the way that he handled that situation was good. Yes, yes, very much so. And so Elliot Yo goes back, and after being pretty well held um, by Collingwood in this game, he, he'd started to get a bit more involved in the game. Elliot Yo goes back from 50 and kicks a fucking monster goal, and then just he full-on hulks up in his celebration, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. This is a big goal, and that took it to scores level, didn't it? It did. So at yeah. three-quarter time, scores were level 8-7-55 to Collingwood's 8-7-55. So this was the first time since, I think, 1939, scores had been level in a grand final at three-quarter time. Yeah, at this point, everyone was like, well, fuck, I guess this is going to be a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you at the ground was doing what? Uh, so, I know at halftime we were drinking, but then at three-quarter time I don't think we wanted to move at all. Because uh, yep. we were just... There was so much going on. Like, How could you do anything but watch this game if you were there? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I remember maybe one of us went and got, like, hot chips or something for everyone. I don't know, something nice, probably. (laughs) Maybe a hot dog, who knows? Hot dog, that sounds good. Um, yeah. Okay, (laughs) so let's talk about this fourth quarter, because this fourth quarter was just wild. Mm. Um, so it opened... Oh, sorry, just back to three-quarter time, I reckon we'll probably look at each other being like, holy shit, I can't believe we're here for this. (laughs) Oh my god, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, etc. Fair. Yeah. That mm. sounds good. Um, so the fourth quarter opened with Brody Majacek, who again, similar to Cox, had been quiet in the first half and then started to get involved in the second half. He kicked a goal crumbing off Cox. And this was the difference, I think. Cox, in the first half, he wasn't even making the aerial contest. It was, they were conceding... Um, defensive marks, whereas in the second half, Cox was either marking the ball or bringing it to ground, and in him yeah. bringing it to ground in this one, Majacek was able to crumb perfectly and kick a goal, and then almost immediately, Dugowie kicked another goal from outside 50. So in less than a minute of the fourth quarter, Collingwood were up by 12 after scores being level at three-quarter time. Yeah. Um, I don't remember, like, losing faith or anything. Like, like, as in, I don't remember at that moment being like, oh, no, uh, this is it. Like, it's done. But I, kn- I remember it being like, ugh, yeah. that's not what I wanted or expected. Yeah. It was a bit of a shock to the system after things had very much evened out. Um, yeah. And the fact that it happened so quickly, too. Like, I think it was f- five kicks had been... With, with five kicks or five possessions, two goals had been kicked or something crazy. Yeah, which is fucked. Yeah. And then 10 <laughs> seconds later, Nathan Vardy took a mark inside 50 for West Coast and kicked a goal. So with six six kicks in this quarter inside a minute and a half, three, three goals, goals had been kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Just absolute chaos. It, it was... Yeah, chaos is the perfect descriptor of this game. Uh, so it's back to six points. And I literally, in my notes here, I've written, what the heck? Um, so that, yeah, that's how I felt re-watching the game, even though I knew mm. the result. Um, and then Cox took another massive contested mark about 45 metres out, and he kicked it. So it was just like no one could miss at this point. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. They'll get to that, Gemma. <laughs> 
And then, again, straight after that Mason Cox goal, West Coast get the clearance. There's a next very quick passage. They hit Kennedy up in the pocket who snaps his third and it's a five-point margin again. So it's just goal for goal so quickly in this fourth quarter. And it's just... You can't settle at all. I can't, couldn't imagine being a fan of one of these teams during this. Yeah. Although I probably well, you can could ask me who was a West happened. Coast supporter in 2018 grand final. Uh, <laughs> pressure was high. Heart rate was through the roof. Um, I'd supported my boys since the very start of that day. So I was there from the get-go. Um, uh, well, I was It just, was stressful. I was just going to say the 05 and 2012 grand finals were a bit like this. So... I do know what it's like. <laughs> but, yeah, this game was wild. Um, the Eagles, again, just held the territory battle. And it was very much because they set up so beautifully behind the ball. They just didn't let Collingwood exit their defensive 50. And it was just yeah. constantly constantly peppering, but they just couldn't convert. So, as you said, we'll get to that. We got to that point. They are just peppering. Yeah. And it was just so frustrating because they were so close to just breaking the game open. They just couldn't do it. Yeah. And then Tom Cole took a mark in kind of back flank area and he copped a 50-metre penalty that Pius fans did not enjoy. <laughs> no. Um, I do remember maybe the loudest boo I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life, yes. Uh, on my notes, I've written Pies lose their shit. Um, yeah. Accurate. That's accurate and maybe understated. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and but he, he they don't manage to k- kick a goal out of that. Collingwood got on the burst. McGovern and Schofield saved the days. There's so many defensive heroic defensive efforts yeah. in this. Um, and then Hoskin Elliott thought he kicked a goal. It was a touch behind by Barras. It's a two point margin at this point. Cox takes a mark inside fifty. They think this is going to be like the saving grace for them, put them more than a goal up. Hearn goes off with a blood rule, but then Cox doesn't make the distance. Yep. Collingwood are taking so many shots at goal, but there are so many smothers from West Coast. (laughs) They just cannot fucking get the ball through the goals. And then the moment happens with two minutes, 40 seconds left. Yes. Tell us what happens. So, uh, So, West Coast have just cleared it out of the defensive 50. Um, They kick it to a uh, 2-on-2 marking competition, expecting Liam Ryan to take a mark. It gets turned over. Collingwood bomb it back into their 50. Yeah. Then, Jeremy McGovern takes an enormous contested mark. Like, I don't think that man has ever gotten that high, ever. (laughs) And, worth noting, that the lead-up to the grand final, Jeremy McGovern... Like, people have heard he's injured. Like, he's he copped a really bad hit. Um, people were saying that he... They were really worried that he'd had... Like, like he'd had internal bleeding. Um, and they were like, he's not fit to play. He ended up playing. Takes his fucking enormous mark. And um, for the lead-up to this episode, I was watching, like, clips and stuff. The amount of times that the media asked him how he was feeling and how his hip is. <laughs> the last time he got asked during the grand final parade, he's like, I'm fine. Now bugger off. He says that <laughs> to, to a reporter. He's the best. Um, yes. Yeah, so McGovern takes an enormous mark. Over Majacek, who's not short. No. And, 
apparently at this point the the word was go quick like if you can go quick yeah so he plays on kicks it to vardy who again is only in the team because nick nat has done his knee yeah uh vardy takes a mark again quickly plays on kicks it to a two-on-two pack again but this time liam ryan gets even higher than jerry mcgovern (laughs) takes a huge huge pack mark yeah um and he also goes quick and kicks it to Dom Sheed, who, uh, there's like, it looked like the ball was going over Sheed's head. It doesn't even look like it was meant to go to Sheed because there was another West Coast player. Was it Willie Rioli? Someone else was in the area. Yeah, it was Rioli. Yeah. And it looked like a kick was meant for them because they were, you know, a known goal kicker. Yeah. Sheed takes the mark. And then all of a sudden, there's about two minutes left. Sheed is taking a shot for goal on maybe the tightest angle that anyone's ever taken a shot for goal ever. (laughs) And he's opted for the drop punt. Everyone's like, what is he doing? That is a snap, if anything. Uh, And just threads it like a needle. Yeah. He, the moment the ball hit his boot, it was going through. It was the straightest and most accurate kick anyone has ever kicked. (laughs) It was perfect. I'm happy to say it was perfect. And then it's revealed that Liam Ryan and Dom Sheed were meant to be on the bench for this (laughs) last play. Adam Simpson was trying to get them off, but in the chaos, they ended up staying on. Uh, Then there's also, like, people being like, oh, they were blocked out of that contested mark for Dom Sheed. They weren't. They changed direction. Maynard. Um, Yeah, look, if we're going to lose Collingwood supporters this week, uh, that 50 meter penalty yeah that was fair the runner was unlucky but this was not a free kick <laughs> yeah it's um that happens 20 times a game it was just highlighted because of the significance of that moment in the context yeah. of the game um yeah watching it back it's like she because again it doesn't look like the mark is meant to go to Sheed. he just it floats looks... in front doesn't he he just kind of floats across yeah Oh, it's so good. It's just like the way they maybe were missing some of those kicks earlier or those kicks weren't going through the goals. They were missing those goals. Like everything had to go right for that passage of play to work. Yeah. And every single player involved in that passage was lucky to be playing in that grand final. Something we haven't mentioned in this episode yet is this was Liam Ryan's first game at the MCG. (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's just so, so many things weren't meant to be in this game. Those four touches were by four players that may be in their best 22, but probably not. And at least not at this period of time. Yeah. It was only through consequences. Liam Ryan probably was, but still was like pretty new into the team. McGovern yeah, was, was like, but not when injured. Yeah. Oh, yeah, McGovern absolutely is, but yeah, he was injured. Yeah. Was lucky to be playing. Surprised he passed a fitness test. <laughs> and to be the instigator of that incredible yeah. final moment. Ah, oh, it just kills me. Um, And then there is one other big thing that happens after this goal, which I think everyone forgets happened after that, the Dom Sheed goal. I think yeah. in a lot of people's heads, the Dom Sheed goal is the last thing that happens in this game, but it's not. No, there's still like two minutes left. There's a minute 45 left. West Coast get control and they're trying to soak up time. 
But they get a break. They break out of Collingwood's defence. And Darling's sitting in the goal square on his own. And Shuey kicks it to him. And Darling is thinking the step ahead of the mark. And he's alone in the goal square. And he drops the mark. <laughs> yeah. After he oh, started like... taking everything that was coming at him for the whole second half. And then he drops the mark in the goal square uncontested. Yes. Um, so that goes through for a behind. So it's and, a five-point margin, yeah. And that ends up being the final scores. Well, yeah. So 58 seconds left. It's a five-point margin. There's still hope for Collingwood. So they absolutely barrel it out of defense, like out of the goal square, straight up the middle. And who is there to take the intercept mark and calm everything back down? None other than Luke Shuey, <laughs> who started the game beautifully and ended the game beautifully. He... Went on to win the Norm Smith, unsurprisingly. Again, I can't speak highly enough of this performance from Shuey. This was outrageous. Uh, and his his child was born the week leading up to the grand final. Yeah. It, he had a lot going on that week. This, big week for Luke Shuey. That's a big <laughs> week for just fucking everyone involved in this game. Yeah. It's one of the best grand finals that I have ever seen at all, let alone in person. Um, yeah. Yeah, the only time I can remember... Like, the previous grand finals that were this exciting were the West Coast and Sydney back-to-back grand finals. The Hawthorne and Sydney 2012. Yeah, but I don't have any memories of that or fondness for it whatsoever. Where the other two? Look, you can look shocked. I don't remember what happened in that game. (laughs) Adam Goods winning the game for us when he's on one leg? Oh, yeah, fuck. That was a grand final, wasn't it? Yes. For some reason, I had that as a prelim. I don't know why. Also, that moment in my head... Adam Goods is on the field and it happens, but I could not tell you who that was against. But yeah, that's right. He um played in that grand final with one leg and he's he could either run or not run, and they were the only two ways that he could move because he his change leg was... direction, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why him celebrating on his knees was so like painful for me to watch. I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that. I maybe I should do an episode about that grand final glorious good idea don't ask me on it apparently because i have no recollection of it except that moment it's okay i'll get a hawthorne supporter torture them um good idea yes so that is dom sheed's fairy tale ending anything else you want to talk about this game this grand final no it was just oh actually yes there's one big thing that happens after the game in this which is uh me tom and sean wearing (laughs) our west coast scarves being so happy go into a bar at the MCG, uh, which was in hindsight a mistake because <laughs> lots of Collingwood supporters were at the game and they're very upset. Well, we're very, very happy, but we don't actually bag for West Coast except for that day. Anyway, so we are just like walking around with scarves on drinking, having a nice time. And then I can't remember, I think it was Sean. Yeah, it was. It was Sean. Um, got talking like a Collingwood supporter started talking to him and getting more and more like aggressive and Sean was like no 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 I bag for Brisbane it's fine like I'm sorry for your loss and that made the guy even angrier because he was like (laughs) so yeah we almost got into a fight because we were like barracking for West Coast which really cements the you know the reputation that Collingwood have (laughs) I do not speak on that (laughs) I'm like addressing my empty room Mm. As if there's an audience there. Yeah, I can say as many controversial statements as I want. I just do not <laughs> endorse what Dusha says. 
Oh um, my god. But yeah, it was it was so funny because like Sean like it wouldn't have been funny if a fight actually started because Sean was like in his head was like, ah, I've got the easiest way to defuse this. Yeah. But the guy that he was talking to <laughs> would have been like ten or fifteen years older than us. So I guess the mention of Brisbane yeah, and not Collingwood, great. you know, loot Yeah, it made it way worse. <laughs> Speaking of, actually, today released, uh, today, which is the day we're recording and not the day this comes out, Mm. today released an episode about Collingwood's 2002-2003 almost successes, so that feels appropriate that we got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. It's good. (laughs) Um, It's always good for football when Collingwood loses. Again, I don't endorse what Douche says. Sometimes it's okay when Collingwood win if it's against certain teams. I think my favourite thing about watching televised Collingwood losses is something (laughs) that I don't know why they do it because I would have expected that he would have a word to the media so that that doesn't happen. But every single time Collingwood lose or in a position where they've had a victory snatch from them, the television crew will cut to Eddie Maguire every single time. (laughs) And he's always so red-faced and looking like he's about to snap and either kill himself or someone else. And it just brings me so much joy. Look, yeah, seeing him upset is satisfying. But um, I think there are some, some, not many, but I think there are some good people at Collingwood. That's all I'm going to say. Travis Varko. Travis Varko. I think think that um, Taylor Adams is pretty great. Mm. I think that Brody Grundy's alright. I think Tom Langdon's mm. pretty great. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Grundy. <laughs> He's really good. Nah, but like, that doesn't phase me. There's lots of really good players that uh, I don't hate. I don't hate... Uh, look, I need to work through whatever... So- something about Grundy has bothered me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> he probably did something in a game once where I was like, Hey! Like Sean, I hate that. Like Sean hating <laughs> Le- Lenny... Hayes and literally everyone's like Lenny Hayes you can't hate Lenny Hayes yeah anyway um Mm. should we wrap this bad boy up sounds good look I know we're recording this a month before this comes out but is there anything you'd like to promote uh so now's probably a good time to get behind Essendon's 2021 finals (laughs) run uh we're looking to break that streak uh obviously we'll be coming into 2021 with fitter players um I would yeah. suggest every team will. Yeah, that is that makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just pretty excited. So yeah, if you wanted to get behind a team early, Essendon's probably the way to go. 2021. Um, just looking forward to breaking that losing final streak. Oh, I wonder how many uh, days is that? Anything else I want to plug? No, nah, that's probably it. I've got to check that Twitter <laughs> account, see how many days it is since Essendon won a it's final. It's a record-breaking thing. Uh, it's like 6,000 days. Um... Yeah, they beat Richmond's record, which uh, in the modern AFL era, Essendon is the team that's gone the longest without winning a final. This makes me... It makes me laugh because Essendon fans... Okay, a lot of Essendon fans weirdly get their hopes up every time they just make finals and then are really disappointed when they lose that final. It's like, you were never going to win that. Like, the West Coast won last year. So many Essendon fans were like, oh, I feel good about this. I'm like... Literally, why do you feel good about this? You should well, not feel good about this. Well, I think the thing with Essendon is, for the last 10 years, maybe even longer, <laughs> they've come into every single season just... We win games that we shouldn't win. We lose games that we shouldn't lose. Everything is just chaos all the time. 
and it's so frustrating but also can be exciting it means that like for instance uh we just lost to geelong by 70 points if we had have won against geelong i wouldn't have been too shocked i would have been happy but like games like that i'm like oh we're, we're a chance we're always a chance so it means that like when we lose all the time we're like why we've got the pieces why are they not working and it's not just this year it's been like that for so long you're always like everyone's always like yeah Essendon is going to be a finals threat this year and then it's like immediately they're just so disappointing well yeah sometimes we this year was a little different because we started strong and then kind of fell off in the back half well usually what happens is we (laughs) click after the bye and then all of a sudden we're like barreling for finals (laughs) we lose like 10 games in the first half of the year so when we make finals we just make it and then we lose to like fifth who are usually a top four like you know how like sometimes fifth can be like oh they've just scraped into fifth uh hawthorne i think have done that a- yeah, last year uh, maybe uh 2017 let's talk about that in just a moment um yeah because it's relevant to a game i'm gonna reference but yes yeah so sometimes fifth can like just be like all of a sudden the bottom half of the ladder is just all up in the air and then someone wins like the last three games and shoots into fifth but they're actually not that good or like, you know what I mean. They're still finishing fifth. They're good. But every time Essendon's finished eighth, the team that have finished fifth have always been like a real strong top four contender. <laughs> so then we come up against them and yeah, we're like, yeah, I reckon we've got a chance. And then we lose to West Coast by 60 points and we're like, well, yeah, I, I guess that was also something that could happen. Well, 2017 is a good one to talk about because Sydney famously went zero and six and then won every single game for the remainder of the year, except the two games against Hawthorne, both Mm. of which we lost by six points. And the final game against Hawthorne, which was in round 23, uh, whoever won that game was going to finish top four, whoever lost was going to finish fifth. So Essendon came up against Sydney, who went zero and six and then made fifth spot. Yes. After, oh no, uh, it wasn't round 23, it was round 22, I'm sorry, because Sydney played Carlton in round 23, and Buddy kicked 10, and Will Hayward got a Rising Star nomination for three touches for three goals. Sorry for misconstruing that. But yeah, yeah. and then I was in Singapore and uh, changed my flight so I wouldn't miss the game. And yep. Essendon played Sydney, and Joe Danaher took a really good mark really early, kicked a goal. Mm. And then Luke Parker decided that he wasn't having that, and Sydney absolutely destroyed you for the rest of the game yeah that's that's a perfect example of what our finals runs have been for like the last 10 years yeah it's very funny to watch uh, yeah it's hilarious (laughs) but yeah 2021 if you're gonna get another team accident it's the way to go it's exciting sydney are the most exciting team right now in terms of non-finalist Gemma, I could ask you which is the most exciting team in the last 30 years and you'd say Sydney. I could be like, in 1975, you'd be like, well, South Melbourne, the dis, like... <laughs> no, I probably... I, I can be pretty rational about this stuff, but if you're looking at non-finalists right now, which team is more exciting than Sydney? There's a lot of teams in the bottom half. Gold Coast? Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, Yeah, that's... There's plenty of teams that are showing heaps of excitement. I would say Sydney were the most exciting bottom half team last year, but they didn't really convert on that this year at all. Oh, injuries. I know you've had heaps of injuries. I know. Every team's had injuries. Essendon have had heaps of injuries too. Sydney's had second most in the league behind North Melbourne. Yeah, but I guess, like, what does that 
the amount of injuries or the caliber of injuries? Both. Both. So games lo- missed, games lost due to injury and players that, like, important players out. Sydney yeah. currently guess- has 10 players who have been ruled out for the rest of the season. That's a quarter yeah. of a list. Yeah, that's that's big. Anyway. And Will Gould still hasn't debuted. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. by the time this episode comes out, Will Gould, ha- Gould has debuted, which John Longmire has hinted at multiple times, so he's hoping. Anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up, because now I have to fucking go to the post office, because even though I was waiting for the delivery, they decided not to deliver. I should complain. Anyway, um... <laughs> This has been, I see it, but I don't believe it, clearly very professional. I'm Jeff Bastiani. Thank you for joining me, Joel Dusha. No problem. Thanks for having me. If you like this level of professionalism, How Good's Footy is going to be absolutely the podcast for you. Uh, check it out. You have absolutely brought me down to your level today, haven't you? It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yes, excellent. I wasn't even sure. I was like, should I like rest saying fuck for this podcast? But then you said it first. So I was like, here we go. Floodgates are open. <laughs> Uh, I look forward to releasing this. Um, anyway, you can find How Goods Footy where? Uh, so How Goods Footy is, the podcast itself is on iTunes, Spotify, like anywhere you get podcasts. You can find it on Twitter at How Goods Footy. You can find me on Twitter at Douche13, so that's D-U-S-C-H-1-3. Um, I don't rem- recommend following Douche himself, maybe just the podcast. <laughs> Uh, hey, up to you. Uh, if you, Well, I guess I'm giving out my Twitter handle because if you're a Collingwood supporter and you've taken any <laughs> issues with anything I've said, that's where you can find me. Yeah, um, yeah I mostly run the How Goods Footy Twitter account, so if you want to fight me, you can probably fight me there too. Look, <laughs> I can back every decision I've said today, so yeah, look. Excellent. Well, um, I've been Gemma, as usual. You can find me at GL Bassiani or Play on Radio Melbourne on Twitter. Otherwise, I'll be back in another fortnight with another episode with my nemesis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'll see you then. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.